today on the Broly Talks Hockey Podcast, we go through our five weekly head- headlines, including Demko re-upping with the Canucks and their COVID situation, college players signing in the NHL, and in Conjecture Corner, I break down some rumors as we head closer to the NHL trade deadline, and I give my updated power rankings, including Connor Hellebuck in the Hart Race. All of this and more in this week's Broly Talks Hockey Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to go over five weekly headlines started off. So starting it off at number one, Thatcher Demko, goaltender for the Vancouver Canucks, re-signs his contract. Demko signed a five-year, $5 million a year contract. And I think it's no trades, nothing, because for goalies, the contract standards are a lot lower than they are for players. For example, McDavid's making $13 million. Demko is making five. And Demko and McDavid, they're not close valuably, but they bring a lot of value to their respective teams. And Demko is 25, so he'll be 30 years old when this contract expires, which is kind of the perfect time when they want your contract to expire to re-up it. He leads, he is sixth in the league in goal save above expected with 9.52. He's playing very well, considering that he's on a really bad defensive team. And one of the reasons the Canucks have gotten so bad defensively, some of it has to do with some of the losses that they've had, but some of it has to do with just bad management and asset management. Like, for example, the Canucks losing Tanev, Stetcher. Like, these are defensive guys. And the Canucks already gave up the most rush chances against a game. So Demko is facing a lot of hard two-on-ones, three-on-twos, three-on-ones. Like, just the hard plays to stop as a goalie. The team kind of went through a whole switch where they went from a bunch of DFD, like Jordy Ben, they had Tanev, Stetcher. Like, these are good DFD, defensive defensemen. And they kind of switched to mostly offensive defensemen. They bring in Schmidt. The guys that they have in the system are mostly offensive guys. Hughes has been playing so bad defensively, like worse than most of us had thought. So that is a very big reason for the Canucks struggles. I also think their forward core losing a lot of these offensive guys makes your defense have to contribute more offensively. Like losing a guy like DeFoley, for example, he's a really good play driver. So now these Canucks defensemen are going to have to work a lot harder to set up these plays than they would have if they would have had to Foley on the team. Um, Vertanen's not very good. Like these guys in their top six are not top six forwards. Pearson and Vertanen were in the top six. Like these are not top six guys, but they still have a really strong team. They're just really bad defensively. And Demko is making them look really good. He's looking like another version of Hellebuck last season. He's just not playing as well, but there's a lot of similarities there. Moving on to the second of our weekly headlines, we saw a numerous amount of college players signing in the league. Starting it off, Shane Pinto signed this week with the Senators. He's a very touted prospect. And you know what? I love Shane Pinto. On the show, he was the first guest that we had who was a pro player. Episode three, for those you want to check it out. Very team-oriented guy. Just by the way I'm talking to, I was talking to him. Like I asked him, one of the questions that you tell how a player acts is favorite hockey moment, a team championship. What's your biggest strength on the ice? Face-offs, being defensive. Like he's a good defensive guy who can put up numbers. Like this season with the North Dakota Fighting Hawks, now they're called, 28 games played, 15 goals, 17 assists, 32 points. That's really good for college hockey. And he's in the Hobie Hattrick, which for those who don't know, Hobie Hattrick is another nickname that they gave for the three finalists for Hobie Baker, and I, I think Pinto is most likely to win it out of those three. Another guy who signed with the Sens is Jacob Bernard Docker. You know what? I love Jacob Bernard Docker. 
I'm not sure where he's going to fit in on the Sens because I know they said he's heading right into the fire. It's throwing him right in. They got so many veterans on that defense core, like Zaitsev's playing top four. He's playing 22 minutes a night. He definitely doesn't deserve that. Maybe Bernard Docker will help take off the load. I don't think they want to rush him, though. That's the problem with these teams. They might be rushing these guys by playing them like this. I'm not sure how this is going to work out for them, especially for a team like Ottawa, which is notoriously bad, but they somehow they beat the Canadians 6-3, I think, tonight. It was crazy. And another college player, there's a lot of college players, Alex Newhook signed with the Avs. Also, fellow fellow Avs prospect sample Ranta did. And I just want to keep going with Newhook here. In 12 games with Boston College, he had seven goals, nine assists, and 16 points. Very solid. He had a great World Juniors performance. I really liked watching him play. I think he has a lot of potential in the league. I'm hoping that he can go really far in this league. I think he can do it. Just a great player. Fun to watch. I can't really say much about him. He's just a great player. And I kind of want to go back on Jacob Bernard Docker. I didn't get to say his point totals. 27 games, 3 goals, 15 assists, 18 points. Very solid for a defenseman. I think he was like their leading defenseman in points, which is very good. It was either him or Matt Kiersteed. Him also. I want to go on a rant about Kiersteed yet, but I'm going to do that later. Newhook and Ranta. Going on with Ranta. Ranta this season in 31 games. He had 19 goals in college hockey. 12 assists and 31 points. Sampa Ranta was with the University of Minnesota. I think they just beat UND to go to the finals for college hockey. For the final four, Frozen Four. For University of Minnesota, he had 19 goals and 12 assists and 31 points in 31 games. It's very hard to do point per game in college hockey. Not many people do it. Only like some of the really good ones. So that's good to see from him. Moving on. Jordan Kawaguchi was the captain of UND. You see a lot of UND guys signing this season. Keeping going with UND, though. Um, before I get to Kawaguchi, this made me think of something here. Jake Sanderson, who also was thinking of signing with the Sens, is deciding to go return for his sophomore season. So hopefully we can see some good production there for him. With Kawaguchi, though, he signs with the Stars, which is a very unexpected move. I would have expected him to go to a team that wanted some center depth. I don't know. I think he could almost slot in as a 4C right now or AHL guy. Dallas was one of the last teams I would have expected for a guy like Kawaguchi, but I think he could fit in there well. In 28 games this season for North Dakota, 10 goals, 26 assists, 36 points. That led North Dakota. I feel like he's a great leader. Where's the C? Leads his team in points. Like He's just a real leader on the stat sheet, and I'm assuming that carries onto the ice. Another person from North Dakota signing with Dallas, Adam Scheel. Adam Scheel's a goaltender, and this season, in 26 games played for North Dakota, he had he had a goals against average of 1.74 and a save percentage of 931. And for those who aren't familiar with goalie stats, these are elite level numbers. Anything above a 9.2 is average, and anything below 2.2 is average as well. So if you're above that, you're above average in the league. So really good numbers from this guy. I'm. It's interesting to see what they're going to do. They got a lot of goalies there in Dallas, and I think they're actually going to make a move yet. You think about it, they got Ottinger, Bishop, and Kadobin. They're waiting for Bishop to come back. I don't think they're going to make a move at the deadline. They might make a move in the offseason. They might be getting rid of a guy like Kadobin, maybe Bishop, but Kadobin's been rough, so I think it's going to be him. 
Moving on to another North Dakota grad signing, Matt Kierstead. He actually had his NHL debut at the time I'm recording this today. He played with the Panthers in Bobrovsky's 500th game. He signed with the Panthers and this season for North Dakota, 29 games played, three goals, 19 assists, and 22 points. He led all defensemen on North Dakota in points. I hadn't, I wouldn't really know Matt Kiersteed before this, but I'm not sure how he played tonight either. I would assume he would did well for his first game, but hey, who knows? Maybe he could have had a really rough game, but I'd expect a good start for him. And I think he's the first college guy to sign out of this list to play in the NHL. So that's really good to see from him. I'm expecting a lot of these guys to make the jump to the NHL soon. Like, as I said before, Bernard Docker is going to be playing right away. Hopefully he can do well there. And the Panthers actually beat the Jackets 5-2 today. Matt Kiersteed had 11 minutes and 22 seconds of ice time for the Florida Panthers. And I don't think he played bad. I'm going to say it. I think he played well. Look at the numbers right now. He definitely didn't play bad. His expected goals for percentage was okay, 23.57. That's not very good. He had a he had a bit of a rough game. Rough go at his first one, but you played 11 minutes of ice time. You don't expect him to play well. What can I say? It's it's just a rough start for him, but I think he can really bounce back. And keeping going with the Panthers, they actually signed another college guy, but this guy was actually one that they drafted. As we all know, Spencer Knight was drafted by the Ford Panthers. I think it was 2019 or 2018, 13th overall, or around there. It's just a stud goalie. Played great in the World Juniors. I mean, Florida Panthers got some good goalies coming in. Think about it. Knight, I forget the other guy's name now. The other goalie who was on Team Canada. But he's also with the Panthers. And they're going to have a real battle in the crease there soon. Plus, Bobrovsky's not going away without a fight. He's been playing... Very decent over the last couple games, which is not something I would have expected from him. He's been off for the last couple seasons. So, Moving on to the final college prospect, Matt Boldy signs with Minnesota. And this is probably my one of my favorite guys who is going to be fun to watch for the Wild. Matt Boldy, um, 22 games played, 11 goals, 20 assists, 31 points. Just great numbers from him. He's such a highly touted player, and I think he'll do great there in Minnesota. He's going to be fun to watch. Like Watching him at the World Juniors past couple seasons, just a very fun guy to watch. Moving on now to a team that's not so fun to watch, the Buffalo Sabres. The Sabres snapped their 19-game winless streak this week when they beat the Flyers. And, you know, that's rough when you beat a team like the Flyers, who are just having a really rough go at it, too. I mean, Carter Hart's been bad. Like, they're just not doing well feel really bad for all Panthers fans, or not Panthers fans, Flyers fans. Like, this is just rough. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, it's brutal. Losing to Buffalo, and they lost to Buffalo. The score was 6-1. to one. They lost 6-1 to one to the Buffalo Sabres after a 19-game winless streak. Whew, that is just rough. I don't want to let the embarrassment soak in so much, so I'm going to keep going here, but I'll try and keep it short with the Sabres. They're probably going to keep going. I think they're going to tank for the first. And to be honest, this is not the pick that you want to tank for the first overall. The next two drafts are the ones you want to tank for. This is the one that you do not want to tank for. So I'm expecting the Sabres to do a conservative selling and then full sell next season. Because if you look at the guys who projected to go first, I think a guy like Eklund will go first this draft. I know many of you won't know him. He's a really good prospect. Next year, it'll probably be Ryder Lambert. Very good guys. And the year after, be Connor Berard or Matt Vay Mitchkov. Also, very good guys. But 
Eklund, if you rank them all, I'd rank Eklund below Mitchkov right now is like who I'd rather have because Mitchkov is just on fire and Eklund's doing well, but just such more highly touted. So that's why I think the Sabres should not be tanking for this draft. This is the one draft that you really don't want to tank for. So I'm expecting the Sabres to maybe do a conservative selling. Moving on to number four in our weekly headlines, the Canucks are dealing with some COVID issues. They have 18 players on COVID protocol list, and some of these players have needed IVs, and it's believed that they have the Brazilian variant, which is the much more lethal one. It could get very scary for the Canucks here because since it's variant, this variant is much more deadly. I don't know what could happen. It's just very scary and it's very serious. I don't think any jokes should really be made right now about this. This is really rough for Canucks. Looking at the guys who are on the COVID protocol list, I'm going to quickly go through who they all are. Travis Boyd, Thatcher Demko, Alex Edler, Gaudet, Hamannick, Harlick, Holtby, Horvat, Hughes, McEwen, Mott, Myers, Russell, and Sutter. And one thing I found interesting was not a single one of these guys are European players. I don't think that means anything, but it's just weird. Not a single one of them is European. I don't know what's going on. I'm thinking like maybe it's something with the body or containment with each other. I'm not sure. It's going to be very interesting because I don't think anybody's really pointed this out yet. It's just a weird coincidence, to be honest. And moving on to our final weekly headline, before we get into Conjecture Corner, Hockey Canada makes two announcements this week. The first announcement that I want to go through, kind of sort of in depth, they named Luongo the general manager for the World Championships this season for Team Canada. You know, I think this is a good thing for Luongo. I think this will be a test to see if he can manage an NHL team because I think Luongo could be a guy who replaces Benning when he gets fired because a lot of these players become GMs. Like, look at Joe Sackick is probably the main prominent one who comes to mind for most people. This is a real test for him, and I think he could pull out on top and look really good here. I don't know. It's Team Canada, so it's not hard to pick your players that you want for this team, but it'll be super interesting to see what he does here. And this will be a real test for him. The second announcement that they made was they released their 25-man under-18 roster for this year's World Under-18s. Notable names on this list were Shane Wright, Connor Bedard, Logan Stankoven, Brant Clark, Carson Lambos, and Dylan Gunther. All these guys are draft eligible. Uh, the only one who's not for this next year's are Wright and Bedard are 2022 and 2023. You know, it's an interesting list. Looking at it, there was a lot of big snubs. Uh, Matt Savoy, Denton Matecha, Connor Geeky are the main snubs that kind of stood out to me. But this is going to be a test for these WHL guys who haven't catched scouts' eyes that much this season, and they haven't been able to. For example, Stan Coven, Clark, Lambos, and Gunther. This can either raise their draft stock or majorly drop it. And they need a raise of draft stock because all these scouts are busy in Europe and in America looking at these prospects. It's just really hurting them. So teams could get some good steals this season. Like a guy like Brant Clark was projected to go first and he was going to be the best defenseman of this draft. And now he's really dropped down. Like most people don't even have him in their top 10 anymore because of just not watching him. You don't know how he's progressed. And I think Brent Clark actually went to Slovakia, one of those European countries, and didn't play well over there. Didn't adjust to the European ice. So this looks really bad for them, but I hope that they can get some good games in here. And I'm just really surprised with some of these snubs on here. And moving in to Conjecture Corner. And with this week's segment of Conjecture Corner, will mostly consist of rumors as we head really close to the trade deadline. The deadline's on April 12th. So as the time that this will come out, this will come out on April... Fifth, 
recording on April 3rd. Well, technically April 4th now. So it'll come out a week from deadline day. It's getting really close. And I'm really excited for deadline day. I don't think it'll be as busy as past deadlines have been. So I'm really looking forward to this one. First one, the Preds have announced that they won't be sellers. Because I thought, I know most people, including me, thought that going into this year, they were going to be, this deadline at least, they were going to try and be the big sellers. I had a small thought in the back of my mind that David Poyle would not be a seller. He doesn't come across to anybody as a seller. But I thought upper management, so that means like ownership, might come to him and say, hey, we're ready for a fresh start. We've got a lot of good guys in the pipeline. So we're going to drop everything. We're either going to do a retool or we're going to do a rebuild. Because retools and rebuilds are very different. And I think they might go for a retool now. Because they could load off these vets, get maybe a couple picks and some good ro- good roster players, and they could be competitive in three to five years. With a rebuild, you're talking five to seven years, generally. So I don't think Ekholm will be moved this deadline. I'm thinking next deadline, because then it'll be a pending UFA, and generally the pending UFAs are the big trade bait. So I don't think the, pen- the Ekholm and the Preds will be sellers. And moving on to the Ducks, and this one's interesting. The Ducks could be looking to move Ryan Getzlatt to a team that needs center depth. So the ones that have been looking for center of depth are the Jets, Panthers, Penguins could use them due to injury. Those kind of teams could use some good centers. The Oilers have been hot in talks, but the Ducks and Getzloff, they're not going to be, I don't think they're going to be wanting to retain cap space for the Oilers. The Oilers aren't going to be able to take Getzloff. So I think the Pens could be good. And if you think about it, Brendan Burke, president of Hockey Ops in Pittsburgh now, was the GM of the Ducks for a while. So he's got a couple connections there. I'm thinking this could be a very good fit if it moves. Getzlaff could be a great second to third line center, most likely third line center because he's not going to overpass Malkin or Crosby on these teams. And moving on to the Ottawa Senators, the Senators will be looking to sell some of their veteran pieces. And what I mean by veteran pieces are guys like Dezingo, Connor Brown could be on the move, Matt Mike Riley could be on the move, Christian Wallinen, those kind of guys like these older guys that are kind of just getting pushed out by these new prospects that they're bringing in. And hopefully they bring in guys like Formington Moore and these prospects that are being stuffed in the AHL and that are too good for the AHL that should be in the NHL. Keeping going with some rumors in the Canadian division, the Jets will be p- pursuing a defenseman. And the three that I think that they'll go for, because the price of Ekholm, I had Ekholm on here, but he's not on here anymore. The price of Ekholm has gone up way, way too high for the Jets. They want an elite level prospect or a plus a first or another prospect. And the Jets would have to give up a guy like one of the two of Hanel or Perfetti. I do not think Chevy will do that. And if he does, I'll be majorly pissed off because it is a dumb move to try and move these guys for guys that you're probably not going to keep for a very long time. Like Ekholm will be here for, what, two years? He's not going to stay for very long. But he's better than some of the rumors I've seen with the Jets. Like Ryan Ellis has been off to a horrible season. So I don't think that Ellis will be a good fit. I think Ekholm will be good. But the three that I have for the Jets, since their price tags will be a bit lower, I have Alex Goligoski of the Arizona Coyotes, Josh Manson of the Anaheim Ducks, and David Savard of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And if you look at the three teams, they all have one thing in common. They're on the borderline of contention, except the Sabres are just a trash fire. But they're borderline contention, and they're most likely going to be moving off pieces because they know that they can't win the race. Like Savard and the Blue Jackets, they could get like a second and a prospect for Savard. So I think they will do that if the Jets would want. And Goligoski, they'd need to retain some cap, but I think Goligoski would be a really good fit. A good defensive. He plays more of the defensive side of the puck, 
and the Jets need that right now because they got some good offensive defensemen. I think Stanley needs some more time. DeMello's been good. Morrissey's been god-awful. Pionk's been really good offensively. And Josh Manson, he's kind of a two-way guy, I think. Uh, just a decent player, and he could use some change of scenery from Anaheim, and I think he'd fit in really well in the Jets team. Keeping going with the Jets, actually, but not a Jet anymore, former Jet who didn't want to be on the Jets. Rossovic was a healthy scratch for tonight's 5-2 loss to the, to the Panthers, but Rossovic healthy scratch, I think it's a really dumb move for Torts, and I think he's just ruining the team, and I think Kekalainen needs to realize that sooner or later, he's going to have to fire Torts, and I, I don't know what's going on with Torts in his mind. I'm going to go on a bit of a rabbit trail here, but it'll be relevant. Torts, I think, needs to be fired. And the reason I have Torts being fired, I had him on the last segment of Hot Seat that we did. I put Torts on it with Matt Larkin two weeks ago when by the time this comes out. We talked about how Torts is going to be moved most likely because he's he's the kind of coach who you want to carry you out of rebuild. So I'm thinking teams like LA would use him for a couple of years. Tampa Bay used him for a while. They won a cup. They got rid of him. He's not a coach for a team that wants to win or that wants to be like cup contenders, not, not wants to win, but not wants to be cup contenders. So he wouldn't fit on on a cup contender. He's not that good of a coach. He wants everybody to play the same style. He doesn't realize that all players have different styles. For example, Patrick Laine, he's kind of ruined Laine or made him look really bad because he wants Laine to play more of the defensive side of the puck. And everybody knows Laine is not a defensive player. You should not be forcing these guys to play defense when they're not defensive players. You have other guys, you have four other guys on the ice that you can make play defense, but you're not making Patrick Line play your team's defense. If you want him to contribute a little bit, that's fine, but you're not going to have him be your main defensive piece. He's not that. And I don't know what's going through Torts' mind when he tries to change these players' games drastically. Another guy I like that he did that too was Max Domi. Max Domi, he wanted to play the defensive side of the puck. Max Domi did not want to. Max Domi has been thrown to the wing because, as Torts said, it takes the load off defensively because you can't be a center and not play defense, which is reasonable. Very reasonable. I just think he's been a bit crazy with scratching Roslovic, and I don't know what's going through his head half the time. And I think that Torts should be fired. I would put him on the hot seat again if I could. The Leafs are looking for some goalies. We're going to keep going with Canadian teams, which most of these rumors seem to be for Canadian teams. And it's always the Leafs, which is weird. Allmark, Ranta, and Kember are the three that I think will be good. But also, I think Chris Drieger might be the dark horse for them to trade for. With Linus Allmark, he's been playing very good for Buffalo, considering Buffalo's been, as I've said before, a garbage fire. Ranta and Kemper, just very solid goalies. If they can get their hands on a Kemper or a Ranta, I think that's kind of a game changer. And I think that they can win a cup with a team that has these guys. And Chris Drieger, too. He's been playing really well behind Bobrovsky. So I think he could fit in really well there. And Hoffman, going with former Panthers players, Hoffman will have some callers. And I'm thinking Boston, St. Louis, Toronto would be the ones that would like a guy like Hoffman. Here's the thing with Hoffman. He doesn't drive play, but he's a very good shooter. Very good shooter. So you need to play him on the Marner line, I think. They drive the play for him. Even that second line, I think Nylander and Tavares could do some great play driving for him, which he desperately needs. So I think Toronto would be a great fit. Boston would be good. Would be wanting a guy like Mike Mike Hoffman. Just a great player. I mean, 
I can't really say much about him. He's like a cheaper Taylor Hall, and he's been playing better this season. To finish off Conjecture Corner, we got one last rumor. The Jets and the Panthers are going to be looking for center depth. I don't get why the Jets are going to be looking for center depth, considering that they have probably one of the best center cores in the league right now. On your first line, you got Shifley. Second line, you got Dubois. Third line, you got one of the better third-line centers in Adam Lowry. And on the fourth line, you got Nate Thompson. And his line is not allowed a 5-on-5 goal against yet this season. I think that might have been broken. But when I saw it, not even a week ago, they had not allowed a 5-on-5 goal against, which is very solid, and you don't see that very often. With the Panthers, they got Barkov, Wenberg, not really much else other than those two. And that's it kind of makes sense that they need some center depth. But they're going to need like a third or fourth line center. So Brandon Sutter often comes to mind. I think Brandon Sutter, Getzlaff would be good. Bennett would be good. And finishing off, actually, I missed one here. Sam Bennett could be a hot commodity. I have two teams that could go for him, and Seattle might pick him in the expansion. So that's the third team. New York, I think the minute that there was Bennett rumors, I thought of New York. They've needed some centers for a while. But now he might not fit in very well, but I think he'd be a great asset for New York. I was thinking a New York, uh, a D'Angelo swap. And Pittsburgh had some injuries, so that's why I have Pittsburgh here. And that's it for Conjecture Corner. And we got one segment that we have not done in a month. I think February, or our episode in February was the last time that we did our award power rankings. So to finish off this short, shorter episode, we're going to do some award power rankings. Starting off with the first award I'm going to go through is the Hart Trophy, which is most valuable player. So that's why I'm starting off with this one first. At number one, I have Connor McDavid. Best player in the league. He should always be top five in Hart voting, and he probably will be for the rest of his career. In 38 games played, he's had 22 goals, 42 assists, and 64 points. Very solid numbers for McDavid. Leads the league, so that's kind of why he's up that high. And at number two, I got Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane's someone I don't give enough credit to on the show or when I'm talking in private with people. I've never been a big fan of Patrick Kane, but in 38 games played, he has 13 goals, 36 assists, and 49 points. He's going to change the style of his game, though, around, because he used to be a hard goal scorer who didn't really pass the puck very much, like a, kind of like a Kobe Bryant. But he's kind of changed into a really good passer, and I think that's really good for his game. If he just had better defense, he'd look like a lot more valuable player. But I think his offense this season has been really good on a team like the Blackhawks that I had eighth. I predicted going into the season that they would be eighth in the division. And they're in the race for a playoff spot right now. I can't believe I had him at eighth. Damn it, Lankinen. Ugh, he did it again. Moving on to third for my heart rankings, I have Mitch Marner. He's the only Leafs player I have on here, surprisingly. I know a lot of people are going to get mad that I don't have Matthews on here. What? Where's Matthews? Oh, Matthews is the best player in the league. Oh, Leafs fans, man, aggravate me. 37 games played, 13 goals, 33 assists, 46 points. Just a great player. He's been a great complimentary player to Matthews. I think he's looked at times as the better player, and he's just looked so good on the Canucks this season, or the not the Canucks, the Leafs this season. Played well against the Canucks, ironically, as I said that, but not to Tyler Toffoli level against the Canucks, though. Moving on to number four, Adam Fox. 35 games played, four goals, 27 assists, and 31 points. He's been carrying the New York defense core on his back this season. Him and Brendan Smith have been of the best offensive pairings in the league. And Brendan Smith isn't doing much. It's mostly Adam Fox. That's why I have Adam Fox in fourth for the heart. 
And he's also going to come up in another award ranking at number one. I bet you can guess which one. And at number five, I'm going to have one that's going to shock people here. I think people are going to be really surprised. For the second time in a row, I have a goalie at number five, but it's not the one you're going to think. You're going to think Demko. But I have Connor Hellebuck. He has a 12.19 goal save above expected. Has been very good for the Jets this season. The reason I have him for the heart and not any other Jets player on any ranking here, even though I love the Jets, I don't have any other guy here. Hellebuck's at five for the heart because he's been the most valuable player on the Jets and the most valuable goalie because that defense core is absolutely horrendous. And the fact that he's putting up this good of numbers shows how good he's been and how valuable he's been to the Jets. He's stolen almost every game for the Jets this season. Like, it's ridiculous how much he steals games. And without him, the Jets would honestly kind of be screwed. That's why he's at five. Because when I think of hard players, I think if this guy's gone, what's it going to do to the team? And if McDavid's gone, it seems like they can't produce ever. So that's why McDavid is at one. Marner, if Marner's gone, Matthews doesn't have someone to pass to him. And with Fox, if Fox is gone, that defense core in, in the New York is garbage. Hellebuck's gone. The Jets aren't winning a single game. Moving on to a award that Connor Hellebuck is familiar with, the Vesna Award. And I actually have Hellebuck on this list as well. He's the only Jet, but he's on two of the awards. At number one, I have Andre Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky's been far and away the best goalie in the league this season. I think he's going to run away with the Vesna. I don't think it's a very close race, to be honest. He's just been so good. After getting so much hate this offseason and the year before from a lot of analytics guys, his analytical numbers have not looked good for the past couple of years, and he's finally proving how good of a goalie he is. I was never a hater, though. Even though I'm really big on analytics, I've always been Vasilevsky has been an elite goalie, and I stick by my statement. Moving on from Vasilevsky, I want to go to Demko at number two. And Demko is above Hellebuck, which a lot of people will find weird, but Demko, even though he has a lower goal save above expected with 9.57, I think he's been so good for that atrocious defensive team. Like, they're not even just their defensive defensemen or their defensemen are bad, but their whole forward core can't play an ounce of defense. So that's why Demko is at two. And moving on to number three, Connor Hallibuck, 12.19 goal save above expected. Great goalie. I don't got much else to say. I kind of gave it. All, all that I had for him on the heart. And moving on to number four, Calvin Peterson. Not a name you hear very often in heart contention. 10.59 goal save above expected, which is fifth, if I'm not mistaken. But he's been really good for the LA Kings. Him and Quicks, too. Like, surprisingly, Quicks been good. And this whole Kings team has been really good this year. They're in contention for a playoff spot as well. And they're opening up the arena for some fans soon, which is very exciting. Moving on to the fifth and final Vesna candidate that I have, Casey DeSmith. This one, I feel like I'm going to get a lot of hate for, but goalies are on and off. And I think Casey DeSmith has been really good. And he had a rough go, but he's playing really well now. He had a very bad start. Here's the funny thing with the Penguins, and I find it very funny. The thing is, for years now, they've needed a goalie to hate, and they haven't realized how bad defensively their actual team is, their forward and defense core. It was at first, Fleury was really bad. We need to move on from him. Murray's our guy now. Two years later, Murray is garbage. We need to move on. Jari is our guy now. And now this season, Jari is garbage. We need to move on. DeSmith is our guy now. Who's the next guy going to be? Funny enough, they have a Matt Murray in their system as well, who's a goalie who plays for 
University of Massachusetts Lowell, or is it Amherst? It's one of the two. Maybe he's the next guy because they don't got much else goalie prospects. The only other one that I know of in their system is Diorio, and they just picked Blomquist. So maybe Blomquist in a couple of years will replace DeSmith, and maybe they'll move on from Blomquist too. Moving on to the next award that Penguins players are familiar with, and that's the Norris. Surprisingly, Latang wins Norris's, even though their team is not good defensively. At number one, I have Adam Fox. I don't think that's a surprise. He's been really good carrying that defense score on his back. In 35 games played, 31 points, really good numbers. And moving on to number two, this guy, I think he ran away with it at the start, but Fox is really caught up, and that's why I think he might be surpassed by Fox Makar. Kale Makar has been good. 24 games played, that's why he's low too. Because he's played so much lower games. And I think in this season where it's only 56 games, it's very important to have a lot of good games in. In 24 games, three goals, 20 assists, and 23 points. Played very well for that Colorado team. That Colorado defense score as a whole, I'd argue it's top five now with the players on that core. I have a couple honorable mentions here. The two honorable mentions that I have for the Norris are both Avs players, and those are Devon Taves and Sam Girard. Moving on to number three, Canadian playing defenseman on the Canadiens. Jeff Petrie in 33 games played 11 goals, 16 assists, 27 points. Him and Brett Kulak this season when they played together have been very good and I love watching those two play together. That's kind of a reason that they're up here. Watching Petrie play a lot. I've kind of watched the Canadians play a lot now. I mostly watch the Jets but I watch a couple Canadians games to see how they do and he's been very fun to watch. So moving on to a rival of the Canadians actually. The Boston Bruins defenseman, Charlie McAvoy, 33 games played, four goals, 17 assists, 21 points. Very good numbers from him, and it's kind of what we expected. We expected him to take that Boston decor and kind of carry it on his back for a little bit since Krug has left, Chara left. He's really got none of his old buddies there anymore. Grizzlick's been good, Carlo's been good, but still, it's not the same, I, I would imagine, in that locker room without those guys. Moving on to number five. This one's also going to surprise some people, but the main reason this guy's so high is because his defense partner has been really good, and they've been one of the best combo combo D pairings in the league. So that's why I have Adam Pollock, the ultimate defenseman. Adam Pollock and Ryan Pollock. But Ryan Pollock, 37 games played, zero goals and 12 assists. He's been so good defensively. That's why I think that that puts him at five. If he would have been good offensively too, he'd be... To four or three. Moving on to the final award, the Calder Trophy. At number one, stays the same. Kirill Kaprizov, Dollar Bill Kirill, 35 games played, 13 goals, 17 assists, 30 points. Really good numbers for him on the older side when it comes to rookies. And I know that's caused a lot of complaints among hockey fans, and I don't think they're just complaints. At number two, this one's probably a guy that most of most of you listening have not heard of. Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars. He's been really good for them. 29 games played, 8 goals, 15 assists, 23 points. Kind of slotted up on the top line somehow. He squeezed his way up there, and he's just been really good. He was a great fantasy pickup for me, so maybe that's why he's that high. No, he's been high because he's really good. He's high because he's really good. Moving up to number 3, P.S. Suter. 38 games played, 11 goals, 7 assists, 18 points. Really good numbers from him. Nothing surprising. He's been a good first-line center for them, and thankfully Doc is back, which releases the monkey on his back. And maybe now he'll get a lot more points, to be honest, because he doesn't have the, the, the what is it, the stress of being a first-line center. Moving on to number four, keeping going with my love of defensive defensemen, I have Artem Zub. 28 games played, two goals, six assists for eight points. Really good numbers in Ottawa. I think he could be 
he shouldn't be playing top pairing with Shabbat. If I'd be GM there or coach there, I'd, I'd put Shabbat and Zub together. I think that'd be really well. Moving on to number five, we got our goalie, Igor Shosturkin, with a 4.94 goal save above expected, leads all rookie goalies. I was thinking of putting Kakin in or Lankin in here. So they're honorable mentions for the Vez, for the <laughs> the Vesna, the Calder. I hope you guys enjoyed this.
Hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of the Brilliant Talks Hockey Podcast. If you enjoy our content, make sure to subscribe on YouTube, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and stay tuned for next week's episode, where I'm I'm joined by Patrick Bacon, also known as Top Down Hockey, as we discuss some hockey debates, some NHL rumors, and some hockey analytics.